0: It's Ari Roosevelt here with a, another episode of That 4 k Podcast. Uh, this week's topic, we're going to talk about signs that uh plan-sponsored retirement plan is in trouble. But of course, first things first, let's talk about some of the events that, we're, that are coming up for us. Um, on April 22nd, that's a Thursday, 4 p.m. Eastern, uh, That 4 k Virtual Bunch returns with James Moyna, CPA, JMMM, CPA, uh, Illinois and Georgia uh, auditing firm, uh, national focus now. I think they've widely expanded how many states um, they could provide uh, retirement plan audits. So James has been a great support of ours. It'd be great to uh, finally talk to him. On Monday, May the 10th, we are going to have a very special episode of that 401k virtual bunch. It's a Monday but it will also be in a webinar setting, so I'll only be um, asking the questions. Um, you can always, you know, ask a Q&A and, and we'll get to those questions. Uh, the reason why, we have a very special guest, Congressman Jamie Raskin. Uh, good friend of mine from way back when. Uh, it's a reschedule, essentially, of that 41K uh, National Virtual Conference. So if you didn't sign up for that, this, uh, uh, this event is for free. Um, he couldn't partake in our virtual conference in January. there was something along the lines of a um, you know impeachment and, and congressman Raskin was the impeachment manager for the house um, so we'll talk to him about what's going on in, in Congress and a uh, nice trip down memory lane and um, you know I'll throw in a joke here and there. Because he's a, he's a good friend of mine. Uh, when I say good friend of mine, I don't know if he considers that. But when I look at my career, I think he's one of the most important people in my life. Um, didn't, wasn't a professor of mine, but we'll talk about it. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and I, I, hope you, uh, I hope you attend. If you can't, uh, of course, everything will be on YouTube. And speaking about events, we will be live, well, hopefully, this September. Um, we had three events uh, that we had scheduled, that we got sponsorship, that we had people sign up um, in uh, these three cities. St. Louis, Houston, Minneapolis. Um, unfortunately, uh, the virus uh, and the pandemic obviously shut us down. Hopefully, we'll get back up in September um, that's the last month of the baseball season, last full month of the baseball season of the regular season. So let's see if we can ha- make it happen. St. Louis will be on September the 10th, Minneapolis on September 24th, Houston on September 29th. So it's a special Wednesday day and night. Uh, games will be available for all three uh, that night. Um, the St. Louis and Houston events are up for sign up. Uh, Hundred bucks will get you two hours. Uh, I'm sorry. Hundred bucks will get you five hours of content, uh, lunch, uh, stadium tour, all that kind of jazz. Uh, meet and greet with a uh, baseball great and game tickets if you can make it. If you can't, you can't. Um, go to that forumkeysite.com for further information. Uh, Minneapolis will be open uh, shortly for sign up and, and sponsorship and all that kind of stuff. So. Um, Let's get to our topic at hand: signs that uh, plant sponsors' uh, plan is in trouble. It's a list, like a kind of like a hit list. Um, number one, where a plan where the TPA is not fully transparent on fees, especially with respect to indirect payments they receive, such as revenue sharing payments from mutual funds. Despite the requirements that we have on fee disclosures, there are some TPAs that are still not 100% transparent, and you know, quite honestly, it's. Very difficult for any plan sponsor to decipher what exactly the fees are being paid. Um, I've always felt the Department of Labor missed the boat by not coming out with some sort of model disclosure form. So um, you know, unless you're uh, an attorney or a retirement plan expert, plan sponsors will still not you know fully understand depending on the plan uh, provider, especially the CPA. Um, you know, unfortunately, too many disclosures are uh, read like a, a legal tre- a treatise, um, which, you know, for those who go to law school, that's one of those large uh, books uh, that were not textbooks, but that were just uh, similar to textbooks. Uh, actually, I think I had one on contracts long ago, got rid of that. But, you know, if a TPA is offering confusing disclosures, to me, that's a sign to the plan sponsor that something's amiss. Number two, um, still to this day, hard to believe, but a company that has profit-sharing and money purchase plans that covers the same group of employees. Back in the day, when I first started, prior to 2002, deductibility on profit-sharing plans was limited to uh, 15% of compensation. And the funny thing about that um, was in those days, deferrals counted towards that 15%, uh, which was asinine. But that was, you know, 401k, you know, all 401k plans are profit sharing plans, not all profit sharing plans are 401k plans. So, because of the limits on deductibility on profit sharing plans, we had something what we called paired plans, which means uh, a company would have both a profit sharing plan and a money purchase plan. The profit sharing plan would uh, they would be able to deduct 15%, and then the metro, uh, the money purchase plan would be 10%. We lifted those limits in 2002, affected in 2002 through extra in 2001. Um, so there was really no need for a paired plan anymore, and quite honestly, we still had a very good business of uh, merging the plans and. Um, you know, ceasing contributions in the money purchase and then merging the money purchase to the profit-sharing plan. Uh, but, you know, you'll still see paired plans out there. And to me, that, that's a waste of a plan. Um, you know, if you're covering the same employees, there's still no reason. And quite honestly, you'll still see uh, every now and then uh, a company with two plans, uh, whether really you only need to have one. So to me, that's really a really sign that the, uh, you know, retirement plan is in trouble. Next on the list, a plan that has consistently failed its discrimination testing for, you know, ADP for sale deferrals, top heavy, uh, you know, ACP for match and 410B participation. Uh, you know, if a plan is consistently failing its discrimination test, that is certainly a sign of a problem. Um, you know, you can certainly remedy um, discrimination tests out there. Uh, you know, safe harbor. Uh, is one, QNX, top-heavy minimums, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, years ago, I always tell the story of a a, a client uh, that was in the business of uh, manufacturing little toys for, uh, not Happy Meals, but other fast food restaurants, kids' meals. And they consistently failed discrimination testing um, on the ADP front. And, uh... Plan was administered by one of the two top payroll comp, uh, companies in the country. We know, you know who those folks are, um, and the owner of the company back when the deferral limit was about twelve grand was getting a refund of ten and a half thousand dollars, ten thousand ten thousand five hundred bucks. That was costly. That was paying the way around. Um, so we were taking it over as a TPA, and I looked through the report that uh, this payroll provider uh, created. And, you know, apparently, uh, according to their report, a $7,000 QNEC would have fixed the problem. But nobody bothered to tell the plan sponsor. Nobody told the plan sponsor, you know, it's a safe harbor plan design we've had since 1999. Uh, Maybe we should put that in in your plan. Or, you know, you have this QNEC in order to avoid, you know, Owner, in order to avoid a a, a huge refund, a $10,500 refund. If you give an employer contribution, a QNEC of $7,000, you are going to pass and you avoid that refund. That's a sign the plan was in trouble, and the TPA just didn't bother to let that uh, plan sponsor know the problems, and that's why uh, that payroll provider uh, very quickly became the former TPA. Uh, Next on the hit list, number four, an underfunded defined benefit plan. You know, it's always... Uh, interesting, you know the dichotomy that uh, when a stock market goes down, the underfunding of a DB plan goes up, um, uh, and when it's underfunded, the stock market goes down, it becomes even more underfunded. So, you know, I've been in this business for two really great, and when I say greats, so that's the euphemism, bear markets, and how many. DB plans really were in big, big trouble. Um, any underfunded plan, whether or not the plan has frozen its accrued benefits, uh, should have a study to determine what can be done, whether it is to freeze contributions, change its investment strategy, or engineer an exit plan to terminate the plan over seven years or less. Um, I just think that that's something that uh, really should be looked at and see what uh, kind of changes need to be made. Um, a DB plan for a company that has increased its workforce—that's another sign. Uh, any plan sponsor that has a DB plan with an expanding workforce should determine whether the plan still fits their needs and fits their budget. Um, I've seen that over the years. You know, uh, I represented a, a medical practice that—you know—it's major problem at the time was they put all their money in with Bernie Madoff. Three million dollars went poof. But more importantly, uh, the issue was, um, you know, the issue outside of that, which was, you know, a big issue, especially with the Department of Labor down our next. Um, the problem was that this was a medical practice that should have phased out their DB plan. When it, when they had five or six employees, that was a great plan. When they had 12 to 15, it no longer was. So it took a long process. They got the money back. Um, through the Madoff trustee and all that stuff. And uh, they uh, did freeze and eventually terminate the DB plan. And they, were, they have a 401k plan. And by golly, uh, you know, 10, 11 years later, or 12 years later, they're still climbing them on. Next on the hit list, uh, obviously, any plan with no financial advisor, any retirement plan that has employees. Needs a financial advisor to help develop an IPS, choose and replace investments, as well as offer investment education. Um, there's so many TPAs out there that work with um, plans out there that don't have a financial advisor, especially the payroll providers, and they will actually assist the plan sponsor in the um, investment selection and all that, but obviously they uh copy out that by saying that the, the any advice they give can't be relied on. They're not a producer in the plan and whatnot. Um, you know, I, I think that, again, uh, you can handle your investments. You know, I do. I do pretty okay. I can't complain, especially now with Bitcoin. But, um, you know, the moment I would have employees, the moment I would hire a financial advisor to assist me. Just it's a, it's a no-brainer. Um You know, as good as I think I am when it comes to investments, uh, I can't uh, provide investment education to plant participants. I wouldn't know what to say uh, and know what not to say. And that's why you let the, you know, professionals handle it. Uh, Next, a money purchase plan that is covering non-collectively bargained employees. That goes again with the paired plan situation. I say, you know, unless the fact that you have... uh, A union plan, and a lot of union plans have this money purchase, what they call an annuity plan as replacements for a defined benefit plan, Uh, unless contractually acquired, um, I don't think uh, a a money purchase plan makes sense anymore. Um, Again, if you are legally required to provide a contribution, such as a union plan, you obviously need to keep that. Uh, But if you're not, uh, I think that you should just keep it, take that money purchase plan and convert it to a profit sharing plan so that you avoid some of the situations when, you know, times are bad and you can no longer uh, afford that, you know, set contribution to the plan and make it discretionary. It makes it a whole lot easier, especially when it comes time to freezing uh, contributions and providing a 204-H notice and all that kind of jazz. But that's just my two cents. Next on the hit list, any 401k plan that has not reviewed its contract with its insurance company provider in the last five years um, I think that uh, plants should always review their contracts with plant provider insurance company. Uh, you know, maybe there's a better contract out there, a better program. Um, many years ago, I worked for TPA, um, and I looked at their contract for a, uh, it was a mattress company. Um, they were a TPA client, you know, you dial S for savings. I guess that was the name, of, you know, one of the big parts of that company. Uh, they're no longer in business. But they had a contract with one of the insurance providers. Uh, you know, we're looking back at 2007, maybe, and they're paying almost 300 basis points in fees. Contract expired about four or five years earlier. There were better programs out there, uh, and they were leaving money on the table because the TPA, you know, my old employer didn't bother to tell these, uh, tell the um, mattress company that there were better programs out there. So I think it's always important. Um, to see what's out there, uh, especially if the contract expired, um, you know, and, and if the contract has expired, it's time to renegotiate. You know, it's, it reminds me of uh, recently. Um, I have FiOS at home uh, for anybody outside the New York area or, or whatnot. Verizon FiOS with uh, my internet provider and, and cable provider contract expired, and then eventually they start you know, raising your rates to try to get you to sign a new contract um, or, you know, terminate their service. But because the local cable provider out here has a really service that really isn't very good anymore, I had to renegotiate. It wasn't fun. And I eventually got rid of cable. And now I'm all, um, I got like this AT&T TV, whatnot, which is not the greatest when the internet's spotty, but I save, you know, a a good amount of uh, shekels, as I say. So it's important that a plan sponsor uh identifies you know, their contract with the insurance provider and, and see where they could uh, uh, make some savings. Next on the hit list, obviously, any plan still to this day, you'll still be surprised, about 30 some odd percent of plans out there still don't have an investment policy statement. It's amazing, but it's still true. A retirement plan, whether the investments are participant directed or trustee directed, you know, need to have an IPS. Uh, it dictates what the criteria were used and how the investment options were selected, as well as when they are replaced. I think outside of a plain document, it's one of the most important documents that a plan sponsor needs and should have. You know, obviously an IPS has to be followed. Uh, you know, you don't want to follow your diet plan. And I, I put that on my mind because I'm still trying to lose a couple of pounds here and there. And I'm still stuck at a certain weight above where I want to be. Under, uh, but uh, you know, plans without an IPS, uh, you know, it's just a it's a recipe for disaster. Um, I think that you know you need to have a process, and and a plan sponsor really needs to follow that process. Um, next, any plan that has not reviewed its choice of investments in the last year. Uh, you know, it's not enough that a retirement plan has an IPS; it actually has to follow. It, like I said, um, they need to review investments on a semi-annual or annual basis and determine whether they whether they still meet the criteria set forth by the IPS. You know, I always goof on my old law firm's plan, and you know, well, I'll keep on mentioning it until I retire. And the reason is because I'm still insulted by it. I, I just—it's I, just the arrogance of it all. And here was the HR director, Pat, running the plan poorly for 10 years, uh, and I came and reviewed the stuff, and I said, you know, you need an investment policy statement. You need to have an investment advisor. Um, these funds were really good about eight to 10 years ago, and that's when they were reviewed and selected, and all that kind of stuff. And I'm still ticked off that, you know, I gave her advice, and she, I gave her some more advice, and she followed. She knew that she knew what was best, and. You know, I always say, let the experts help you out and and rely on experts. That's why when it comes to, you know, COVID information, I rely on medical professionals. I don't rely on people in my uh, local Facebook community groups who I wouldn't even take a recommendation on what's the best Chinese uh, restaurant in my area. Um, Next on the hit list... uh, any plan that hasn't seen its financial advisor in, in the past year, you know, uh, if you have an investment advisor, you know, plan sponsor should use it uh, and and meet with the, the plan fiduciaries. Obviously, um, don't delay it. I, I think so many plan sponsors, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to make the meeting, but you need to. Whether it's quarterly, semiannual, or even annually, um, if you don't meet with them, it's the same as not having one. And, and I think that that's obviously a mistake. You're paying somebody to do their job. Let them do their job. Let them meet you and all that kind of stuff. Next on the uh, hit list, obviously, um, you know, consistently dealing with the IPS and all that stuff. Um, a participant-directed retirement plan that offers no education to plan participants. The plan is a participant-directed. Uh, you know, plan participants should be provided with uh, investment education. Because in the RISA 44 c plan participants must be provided or have the opportunity to obtain sufficient investment information regarding the investment options available in the plan to make informed investment decisions. A plan that offers no education participants with some liability from financially uninformed plan participants. Just my two cents. Um, you have to provide something, you know. And when Pat, under the law firm's 401k plan, said, Here's a Morningstar profile of a fund that, you know, should have been replaced 10 years ago. These weren't, you know, uh, those Vanguard Index funds, which I love. Um, uh, These weren't, you know, dimensional funds or, you know, fidelity funds. These were funds that, you know, very, very popular 10 years earlier. And I know that because you look on a 401k plan and you would see what was popular and, you know, certain funds that uh, at the time just didn't fit. But, you know, she thought a Morningstar profile would work. They hired a financial advisor that I didn't recommend. Of course, the only one that I didn't recommend. They hired that person, um, and um, you know, they eventually offered um, the, the new advisor, who, who was actually excellent, um, did offer investment education. Uh, next, any plan without an ERISA bond and/or fiduciary, fiduciary liability insurance, generally every plan needs one. Uh, any you know ERISA covered plan. Uh, needs an ERISA bond, uh, any, uh, and of course, an ERISA bond's legally required. You know, it's a, it's on a 5,500 uh, question. You don't have it. You're an ERISA covered bond. Don't be surprised that the Department of Labor contacts you. Fiduciary liability insurance isn't legally required, but I recommend it because it helps protect plant sponsors and fiduciaries against any liability lawsuits from plant participants. And having been, um, you know, so long ago, but when I replaced Matt Hutchinson as fiduciary on a map that he didn't steal from, um, you know, I was sued along with the other fiduciaries in the plan, only because we did have fiduciary liability coverage. Um, and so that's why I always say it's extremely important. Next, a four k plan with low participation or low average account balances per participant. Uh, you know, this could be. Uh, the result of an employee population the type of employees the plan covers you know a restaurant plan is not going to have people with hard uh, large account balances you know the people that bust your table the people that you know wait on you at a restaurant don't exactly uh, roll in the money um, it's hard work uh, low pay um, and so you know the fast food restaurant isn't going to have uh, large account balances. But there are times when there could be something else that explains the low participation rate, low account balances, and it may be the sign that there is a problem with the plan. Um, I think there may be, it could be a sign of poor investment education. It could be a sign of, quite honestly, you know, 70 mutual funds on the investment lineup. Um, You know, studies show that more investments uh, tend to Uh, More investment options tend to to have a negative effect on plan participation because people um, get inundated and they are overwhelmed in information that they decide to do nothing. It's like a paralysis. And last but not least, a plan that has been updated in the last two to three years, and that may mean just a plan amendment, but more importantly, a review of the fees and the plan providers, Uh, it should be done. I'd say annually for small plans, maybe two to three years is is more the type, but uh, it's important for the plan sponsor to sit down and determine whether the plan, as at the time, still meets their needs. Um, And they'll be surprised. Sometimes it just no longer does. It's no longer a good fit. So that's why I think it's important for plan sponsors to sit down and determine whether the fees they pay uh, are reasonable, whether the plan providers are still working out, and whether the plan provisions still work today. You know, maybe automatic enrollment works. Maybe you know uh, something else should be added or or, or or removed. But I think it's important to sit down, review the plan, see if there are any glaring administration errors, that kind of stuff, and that really avoids the harm that's later down the line when. Uh, these errors aren't detected, and uh, unfortunately, a government auditor finds them. So uh, I hope uh, you enjoyed this episode of That 4K Podcast. We'll be back next week. And of course, go to that4ksite.com for further information on all the events, especially the live ones coming back, hopefully in September. Thanks. Take care. Bye.